This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and we are joined by EPFR's resident economist, Cameron Brandt, and guest speaker today, product manager of Placement Tracker, Will Shepard. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we're looking for in the upcoming weeks. Then we'll dive into Will's insight. This week, the possibilities of the Fed hiking rates soon and Russia taking military action against Ukraine dominated the overall picture. Bond, equity, and money market funds dedicated to the U.S. all saw outflows, while Europe, equity, Russia, and sector funds took in fresh money. Cam, what's the update to the market this week? Well, certainly last week, uh, it was striking how unconcerned uh, the financial community seemed to be with the possibility of a major uh, conflict uh, on the borders of the European Union. But um, markets do seem to be taking heed of that. Um, So just after the reporting period ended, uh, those concerns certainly started to impact on the market, though. Uh, flows remain sort of a little sanguine, uh, though we'll see how they look at the end of the current reporting period uh, on the 27th. Is there is there a sense of any credibility issues with the Fed, or is it just kind of a, a waiting game in a sense? Well, I think part of the angst about the Fed is not so much that it's going to raise rates, because uh, you know even though orthodox economics <laughs> is looking a little rough around the edges these days uh, after the application of massive amounts of QE. Um, the inflation numbers really dictate they take some action. Um, But the credibility point which you raised, I think, is important because there's certainly worry in the market that the Fed, having changed its narrative from transitory to not transitory, uh, may be more aggressive than they uh, the markets are hoping for in order to reassert um, its uh, credibility and hence the the impact of its guidance. We'll see how that that all shakes out. Will, uh, can you give us a brief overview of Placement Tracker and maybe how it connects to EPFR? Sure. Placement Tracker collects, analyzes, and sells data for the private investment and public equities market, also called the pipe market or commonly known as private placements. Placement Tracker joined EPFR in early 2020, and it was a good complement because we have equity-linked and equity data surrounding the private markets, as opposed to a more uh, public and retail-focused end. Placement Tracker has over 31,000 transactions, covering $1.2 trillion of gross proceeds raised since 2000, and we have data all the way back to 1995. So um, on a sort of a more research-oriented level, uh, one of the areas where the Venn diagram of EPFR and the, the one representing placement tracker intersect is in the area of sectors. Um, 
and three sectors in particular uh, see a lot of private placement activity. Those would be financials, energy, uh, and healthcare, though um, certainly there are private placements in other sectors that, that we track. Um, as you and I have discussed, Kirsten, quite a bit in recent podcasts, uh, the sector level has been the area, certainly from a fund flow perspective, where we've seen the greatest conviction, and I have to say largely positive conviction, certainly over the last nine months or so. The latest week, um, that conviction was again broad, but perhaps not quite so deep. But we did see over $2 billion flow into the financial sector funds we track, uh, part of a fairly lengthy streak for them of above average inflows. Um, you know, from from our perspective, uh, the obvious driver is the hope that there will now be a steeper yield curve, which sort of allows them to price in bigger margins on their loans. But uh, while that's going on, uh, there's uh, a fair amount of activity in that sector at the pipe level. And I think it'd be instructive for Will to tell us a little bit about what he's been seeing in parallel with these sort of big gross flows that uh, you and I have noted into the uh, EPFR tracked funds. Yeah, thanks, Cam. So what we've noticed really since the beginning of the pandemic is an explosion in SPAC activity, so specified purpose acquisition companies. And the use of these uh, SPACs to take companies public in an alternative fashion has really seen an explosion in activity, both in deal count and dollar volume. In 2020, there were 98 transactions for about $12.5 billion raised for SPACs issuing uh, pipe securities. And in 2021, we saw a 460% increase uh, in, in deal volume and a 579% increase in dollar volume. So we saw $85 billion of, of SPAC dollar volume in um, 2021. Wow. Did that momentum persist into the current year? It has trailed off a little bit, but there is still quite a bit of SPAC activity and the market seems to be changing from just common stock issuances with SPACs. We've also started seeing some convertible debt being issued alongside uh, common stock placements in conjunction with these SPACs. And when we're going into more of a focused view, I know for, um, like Cam mentioned, we, we've seen kind of three top sector funds kind of emerge. Um, I believe it's financials, energy, and real estate or healthcare too. Um, do you track any of those? And if so, are there any trends that you're seeing there? We are seeing a lot of trends with healthcare. Um, healthcare is about a third to 50% of the market, depending on how you slice the data. And placement tracker covers all of the major sectors, um, and we track it all the way down to the sub-industry level. So if you wanted to get data on, say, biotechs, or you could drill down even further to get to therapeutics. So if you wanted to see which companies have raised money for therapeutic drug programs in conjunction with, uh, say, the vaccine pushes um, that we've seen since the start of the pandemic. So we, we have data that you can really drill down into, and um, you can even search by use of proceeds. You can see why these companies are raising money, who they're selling it to, 
and at what uh, discounts to the market. Well, that's interesting. You, you just explained earlier some of the bifurcation you've been seeing in the financial area between the conventional uh, issuers and this this uh, surge in SPAC issuance. Uh, are you seeing any kind of sort of sep- similar sort of separation in in the healthcare arena in terms of conventional healthcare issues versus biotech? I would say not as much. I think the Traditional pipe issuers are the really um, heavily cash-burning companies who need to raise financing quickly, which is why they turn to the private markets instead of going to the public markets to raise funds. And the uh, the other sector where you see a fair amount of activity, and we have been definitely seeing strong flows for quite some time, is the energy market. What kind of windows does your data give somebody uh, in that particular sector? We've seen an ebb and flow of dollar and deal volume as they relate to the ends of the quarters. So as as a quarter comes comes to a close and a company reviews their books and they're going to need to know what sort of uh, cash flow they're going to need the upcoming quarter, you can see um, deal activity going up and down based on uh, the calendar. So, Will, last week uh, I was on the carpet with Kirsten grilling me about some uh, predictions I made in the mm-hmm. middle of last year and, and what I'm looking ahead to. Um, from your particular viewpoint, uh, w- what are the issues you think are going to dominate your space in the first half of the year? <laughs> That's a good question. I think the volatility in the market and how the market reacts to the, I think we're foreign counting expected rate hikes this calendar year. As the volatility the index goes up and goes down, we see an inverse relationship with deal activity. So I think that the deal flow is gonna vary based on the, the four expected rate hikes we're gonna have this calendar year. And I think that Based on the volatility index, we're going to see deal volume uh, ebb and flow with uh, the changes in the VIX. So that's interesting. Um, the the private market is less receptive when the, the background is less stable. Uh, so, Cam, what did we see with the fixed income side this past week or maybe so far in 2022. Yes. Well, while we've been talking about the sort of positive dynamic, <laughs> certainly in sectoral fund flows, uh, that did sort of uh, allow us to avoid talking about the slow crumbling of appetite for fixed income funds, which ha- had a banner year last year, set another full year inflow record, uh, despite uh, inflationary concerns and uh, a broad feeling that the, the Fed's transitory narrative was not going to hold up. Um, so uh, this past week, we saw actually a fairly conventional response to uh, impending rate hikes, uh, over $2 billion out of emerging <laughs> markets, equity funds, high-yield bond funds uh, taking a hit, uh, the Malis spreading to Europe bond funds, which have had a very good run on the assumption uh, that Christine Lagarde will, will try and hold 
the tightening screw uh, in the open position for as long as she possibly can. Uh, but you know, the vision of, of, of competing for institutional demand with uh, treasuries that are actually starting to yield something uh, was somewhat harder for uh, investors to sustain their previous assumptions. That said, we, we, we remain in a universe where a lot of the demand is coming from retirees who um, place a higher emphasis on capital preservation uh, than the uh, volatile gains that come with, say, investing in a FANG stock. Um, so it is noticeable that uh, in contrast to what we saw with the taper tantrum of 2013-2014, um, the sort of shift from inflows to outflows has, has almost been reluctant. Um, now, I haven't sort of seen some updated numbers this week, so um, we'll see if the, the trend accelerates. But I actually would guess that with uh, a little more attention being paid to the geopolitics, we may actually see uh, flows back into many of those fixed income fund groups. And at the country level, did we see any specific countries that did well in bond funds? Yes, there were one or two. Um uh, fund groups dedica- dedicated to the Netherlands, um, which is a, a charter member of the Frugal Four and Frugal Five, um, so offer, offers you sort of <laughs> at least a soupçon of, of, of sort of uh, old school fiscal restraint. Uh, and uh, funds dedicated to China took in, you know, not exceptional amounts by recent standards, but uh, over $100 million. Um, and uh, the, the, the uh, argument there is that this being the year of the uh, Communist uh, Party Congress uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, economic policy is going to be heavily uh, weighted towards stability. Um, and uh, indeed, we, we are sort of seeing signs that that analysis is going to play out, uh, having cracked down on the real estate uh, sector. The China Central Bank has been backpedaling a bit in recent weeks um, because they don't want uh, the slowdown to deepen or accelerate. Um, so th- those were two that, two that uh, stood out, um, and uh, Canada has gotten some positive attention from uh, investors. It offers touch points in a number of areas, ranging from commodities to uh, a gearing to the U.S. economy, which is still expected to grow pretty strongly despite anything the Fed might do. But outside of those, it was a fairly muted week uh, at the country level. Great. Well, thank you, Cam, and thank you, Will, for joining us this week, and we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, we'll look look forward to seeing uh, to bringing you back and finding out uh, whether the slight loss in momentum for the SPACs you alluded to uh, was just a hiccup or, or or has turned into a more sustained trend. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Talk. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. 
For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 